from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. This is Guy Lomolinar at the Library of Congress. For the past 10 years, book lovers of all ages have gathered in Washington, D.C. to celebrate the written word at the Library of Congress National Book Festival. The 2011 festival, our 11th, which is free and open to the public, runs for two days this year, Saturday, September 24th, and Sunday, September 25th. The festival will take place between 9th and 14th Streets on the National Mall Rain or Shine. Hours are 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Saturday the 24th and 1 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. on Sunday the 25th. For more details, visit loc.gov bookfest. And now it is my pleasure to introduce Jessica B. Harris, whose latest book, High on the Hog, A Culinary Journey from Africa to America, has been published by Bloomsbury. Ms. Harris is a professor at Queens College at the City University of New York and was the first scholar to hold the chair at the Ray Charles Program in African American Material Culture at Dillard University, where she established the Institute for the Study of Culinary Cultures. In 2010, she was inducted into the James Beard Foundation's Who's Who in Food and Beverage in America. Jessica Harris, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, you're welcome. You've been writing and making appearances for decades about food. What was it you wanted to say in High on the Hog that you felt you hadn't discussed before? Oh, my goodness, decades. You're making me feel old, but it's true. It's true. It's true. I have to fess up. Actually, one of the things that's happened, and I've, I've said this before, so it probably sounds as though it's canned, but it's not. I have always been fascinated by the backstory, if you will, of each recipe. So I noticed that in some books, the, the head notes over the recipe, although it may not manifest in the book as the book actually was printed, but as I was writing them, the notes kept getting longer and longer and longer. <laughs> and it seemed as though it was probably time to do a book of the notes as opposed mm -hmm. to of the recipe. Okay. And so, so, you know, this is really a narrative history of African Americans and food uh, with only 23 recipes, most of them archival. Oh, okay. What can you tell us about a few of the dishes that Africans brought with them to America and how they changed when they came here? Well, I mean, that's the thing that's so fascinating. It's very hard to say this dish or that dish. There are probably a few that we can talk about, though. And two of them that I, I will talk about come from South Carolina, come from the low country, come from that rice kitchen down there. Mm -hmm. uh, one is uh, just a culinary epiphany that friends of mine and I had on my first visit to Charleston oh, more than a decade ago now, since we're into those decades. <laughs> um, and it was about that rice that's called Charleston red rice. Mm -hmm. I, my first trip to Charleston, I had gone with friends, all of whom had had some experience in Senegal and Western Africa. And we looked down at that rice. We looked at each other. None of us had been to Charleston before. And we said, hmm, Chebujen. And in fact, in looking at the history of it, many of the enslaved who were brought to work the rice plantations and in fact actually to develop the rice plantations because as it has been you know sort of told in a book called black rice by judith carney who was a scholar out at uc berkeley i think or ucla um that rice growing knowledge that rice growing culture of south carolina came directly from the west african coast from senegambia mm -hmm from uh, Liberia, Sierra Leone. 
And so the national dish of Senegal is a red rice with fish and vegetables all cooked together that is extraordinarily similar in taste, texture, and look to the red rice of Charleston. Okay. Now, what's interesting is that rice moves down the coast in Western Africa and becomes jollof rice, a reference to the jollof empire, which existed before, you know, sort of modern-day countries in the area that would become Senegambia. And jollof rice also is an ancestor of it. It's kind of the English-speaking ancestor, if you will. And all four of those dishes are related to jambalaya in southern Louisiana, where there were also people from that region. Okay. You talk about some of the slaves who cooked for famous people like Hercules for George Washington and James Hemings for Thomas Jefferson. What kind of food did these chefs make? Were they told to emulate what was considered the height of cuisine at the time, French food from Europe, or were they allowed to make the foods that they were familiar with from Africa? Well, you know, um, two things. First of all, they, they did cook what they were instructed to cook. In, in Hercules' case, it was probably more British fare or fare like British fare. Um, things were served in a kind of manner. Uh, they had uh, service à la française, and tables were, were cleared between courses, and all sorts of meats were meats and vegetables were lined up in a particular arrangement on the table. Um, because Hercules was cooking for, you know, the, the first man, if you will, of the country, uh, he, um, of necessity, would have had to have cooked that type of food. Now, the trick is, if you have ever given one of your recipes however simple or complex it may be to a friend to cook and been invited to taste it, it never tastes the way you think it should. That's right. And that's something that the Chinese call the wok hand, sort of the hand in the pot. And my contention is that Hercules's wok hand would have changed somewhat, however subtly, the tastes of those food. Mm -hmm. Each individual chef leaves his mark on whatever recipe it is. Now, in the case of James Hemings, Jefferson actually, when he was ambassadeur plenipotentiaire in Paris to the court of Versailles and Louis XVI, uh, sent for Hemings to join him in Paris to be apprenticed to various chefs around the city and so he learned the, you know, fine, high arts of French cooking in French kitchens, and in fact in kitchens that went as high as the kitchens of the Prince de Condé, who was a prince of the blood, basically a relative of the king's. Okay. What do you think of the term soul food? Yeah, everybody asks me Do that. they? I thought <laughs> it was going to be a new I'll question. They know I'll go off and rant, I'm sure. Um, uh, you know, it's a term that I disagree with because basically I contend that it was probably somebody who said, I'm going out to feed my soul mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm going to have some food for my soul or something like that. But equally, back in the day when the term certainly came into common currency, uh, everything was soul, you know, soul brother, soul sister, mm -hmm. soul comb, soul handshake. So that it's, it's a term, it's certainly a valid term, it's a term we all understand, but when people think of soul food, they usually think of 
you know, fried chicken, some other pork chops, collard greens, maybe chitlins, um, and things of that sort. Delicious, absolutely delicious, wonderful food, but not the total kaleidoscope, if you will, not the total repertoire of African American mm -hmm. food or cooking. How would you say that Cajun and Creole cuisine relates to African American cuisine? Oh well, it in well, okay. Let me yeah, first of all, when we get into Cajun and Creole, that gets dicey because they are Southern Louisiana cuisines. Mm -hmm. Uh, as we know them in the United States. Now, the trick is that Southern Louisiana is not the American South. There are still very much cuisines that are related to African-American cuisine, if you're considering African-American cuisine, to stop at that Southern Louisiana border. If we move that all the way down, they're certainly a part of it, because that cuisine, again, experienced an amazing amount of African influence an amazing amount of African, you know, hands in the pot, amazing number. Mm -hmm. And so uh, all of those things are, um, you know, are part of what makes that that whole, you know, that, that whole cuisine thing. Mm -hmm. um, but the Cajun and Creole is sometimes sort of edited out, if you will, because Southern Louisiana is so particular. In its tastes, it often has more to do with the Caribbean with Cuba or with Haiti mm -hmm. than it does even with northern Louisiana, certainly than with Georgia or Virginia. Okay. In your book, you write about some restaurants that were very important to the leaders of the civil rights movement. Can you tell us about one or two of those? Well, certainly there was Pascal's in, uh, in New Orleans, not New Orleans, I'm sorry, I misspoke, Pascal's in Atlanta and Deacon's in Atlanta, and they were both you know, local restaurants, local black-owned restaurants, but that were places where leaders like, like Martin Luther King Jr. could sit around a table with friends, with fellow activists, and decide what course of action to take. Uh, those restaurants and others whose names we know were multiplied in cities throughout the South, because in some cases, those restaurants, certainly at a place like Dookie Chase in New Orleans, were the only locus, if you will, where blacks and whites could get together, could sit together, mm -hmm. so that they became linchpins and pivot points for the movement. I see. Would you say there are any African-American chefs or restaurants today that you think do a good job of representing the cuisine? Oh, good Lord, now that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> well, just name some, a, f a few that you like. <laughs> oh, goodness. I, I mean, you know, my whole thing is, where's dinner next? <laughs> um, and I must confess, I tend not to eat out that often in African-American restaurants because it's a food that I cook myself. Mm -hmm. And it's also a food that is so inflected in my mind by memory. Nobody's ever going to make it like my mama did. Right. So I tend to be hypercritical, which makes me <laughs> want to maybe not answer that question. That's okay. Okay. What do you think about the role of Food Network in terms of African-American cuisine? Oh, well, I think one of the things that happens is Food Network is a wonderful network. I used to be the, you know, resident food historian on um, Sarah Moulton's show when she had a live show mm -hmm. back in, I guess, the 90s. Um, but I have taken to railing against the what I call testosteronization of food 
it's gotten very aggressive. Mm-hmm. We've got chopped and, you know, blazing or whatever. I mean, I actually, I'm too cheap to pay for television, so <laughs> I don't have cable. <laughs> but um, one of the things that I've noticed is that the African Americans who are on the Food Network, for the most part, are representative of only one type of African-American cooking and don't really, and I don't like to say don't because it makes it a negative, their shows are not designed to look at the scope and diversity and vitality Mm -hmm. of what the African-American culinary experience has been in this country. What do you think might be the subject of your next book? Have you thought about that? I am not sure. I'm thinking about street food, because I'm fascinated by street food. Uh, I'm thinking about something that will look at um, the food of the hemisphere and to try to do some linkages, because that's one of the things that I like doing is looking at a plate here and saying, hmm, that plate looks exactly like the plate there. Let's talk about how that looks the same. Uh, But equally, uh, I'm thinking about maybe doing something more involving memory mm-hmm. or memoir of some sort or family story of some sort, okay. albeit using food. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. We've been hearing from Jessica B. Harris, author of High on the Hog, A Culinary Journey from Africa to America. Jessica will appear on Saturday, September 24th in the Contemporary Life Pavilion of the National Book Festival. She will also be signing copies of her book that day. Jessica Harris, thank you very much for your time, and we look forward to seeing you at the National Book Festival. Thank you. I can't wait. Thank you. I look forward to meeting you. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.